This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 79 Did I hear a niner? When you decide that you want to figure out what it is that you want to do, then come on over and join our eight-day course that helps you figure that out. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. HTYC to 38470 or visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. There's no way that I would give my time and energy to somebody that won't give their time and energy to themselves. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hello, hello, it's Scott, and I'm back. And I got to tell you about the conversation that I had. I think you're going to love this. Uh, Our guest... She's what you call a serious serial entrepreneur, and she's founded a bunch of businesses, over 14, in fact, since uh, the age of 18. And, you know, some of those include Sticker Junkie, uh, there's Yoga Junkie, uh, you're going to hear her mention delinquent distribution and what that is, um, and, you know, the company that owns the sales rights for merchandise for some of the world's largest video games, I think... Um, Minecraft and World of Warcraft. And now she's focusing on training and mentoring others to build their own successful business through Mentor Mojo and then an online learning and mentorship platform and lessons.biz. Um, it's a training course on how to start a t shirt business, even. And if you're a fan of The Apprentice, you might recognize her from season five, originally from San Diego. Part-time in Venice Beach, but today I am at my vacation home in Sedona, Arizona. And right alongside her is a rescue dog, Rico. So take a listen. This is Andrea Lake. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the show. We were just chatting a little bit beforehand about, uh, about the fact that you like to take road trips. I love to take road trips. <laughs> so you started you started actually telling me a little bit about the reason why you do love road trips. And, and it sounded like it was initially through uh, reaching out because you'd, you'd read a book, right? Initially. I did. So for everybody else's benefit who didn't get to hear the you know, three minutes of conversation, <laughs> you know, share a little bit more. And then I've got a couple of questions to ask about that, too, that weren't even on my list. Ooh, that's exciting. (laughs) So I read Adventure Capitalist by um, Jim Rogers, who is, of course, George Soros' business partner. And I reached out to him. This was like the very early days of the interwebs when you could just contact anyone and it wasn't commonplace, like maybe 2002 or three. And um, yeah, and he like called me back. I sent him stickers because I own a sticker company, Sticker Junkie. I sent him stickers that said, by the way, dot, 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 I drove around the world, dot, 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 twice. (laughs) So (laughs) because he did, in fact, drive around the world twice. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records for it, once on a motorcycle, once in a car. 
uh, yeah. And he uh, called me back and I explained that I was a business person and that I had all these companies and he mentored me for just a, just very informally for just a little, uh, couple of months there, but it was really cool to have access to someone who was so incredibly brilliant and well-versed uh, in business. That is phenomenal. And, you know, we were, we were arguing about who had the best adjective here just a little bit beforehand. Yes. Right? So I'm not sure if that one up fantastic or not, but uh, <laughs> I think maybe it did. I'm going to have to all right, think we'll, on this. All right. We'll, we'll give you an opportunity to come back around, but I, I, I want to talk to you about mentorship today. That's something that I am really curious about your experiences and you've had, you know, I, I think a lot of self-proclaimed success because of, of, those mentorship type mm-hmm. relationships. And, you know, we'll come back around and talk to that. But first I want to talk to you a little bit about your story because you got into business, I would say pretty early compared to most people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was 18 years old when I started my first company, um, uh, which was Rhythm Sticks, a toy company. Yeah. Um, which is super fun. But I, you know, I didn't even think of it as a business, <laughs> to be honest. I just thought, well, it's really lucky that I know how to do these things. There were these juggling toys. And then I didn't like any of the ones that were on the market. And I was so obsessed with playing with them that I just decided to create my own and create better ones than existed. And my friends were like, I want to buy those from you. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a thought out process. It was like, oh, I'm going to start this company. Like, it was very, very organic. And I made like four pairs and those sold. And I took the money and made 12 and took that money and made 24 and took that money and made 48. Like it was a very easygoing process. So totally get that, uh, hey, it wasn't the intention to create a massive, massive rhythm sticks business or anything along right. those lines at the time. Absolutely get that. But I am curious, though, how you how you ended up getting into that in the first place, because I would say much more so than even even 10 years ago, it's very much the I'm going to call it the average thing to do to go to go to college and blah, 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 all that type of stuff. Uh, this is a very different road from that. And, you know, what, what, what prompted you to go that route in the first place? Well, like I said, it was literally was just an organic thing. So I was like probably 17 when I started doing that. Oh, and, okay. So this was, this was uh-huh. even before you graduated with high school from high school type thing. Is that right? Exactly. And uh-huh. so okay. then by the time I was graduating high school, I looked at my income that year and I don't remember what it was, but it was something like 45,000 or 60,000, um, take away, take home. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't need to go to college. Like it was such, it was a really arrogant thought. And um, my exposure to colleges was quite limited in general. Even though I was expected to go to college, and I was an honor student, and I did quite well, um, I just, I just thought I make. I make as much now as most college professors. That is inaccurate. That is actually not accurate. I didn't know how much they made. Um, but, and I just don't need this. I don't think there's too much that they can teach me because <laughs> I was just arrogant. <laughs> um, but then also with the real, the real um, which is why I created my new company, Lessons.biz, the yeah. real nail in the coffin there was that I had to take like years and years of required courses that I could not have given one you know what about. Um, And I was just like, I can't do this. I can't sit in a classroom and listen to some BS bored out of my mind just that I can finally take a class that I want to take like a business class. That's, that's so interesting to me because, um, well, first of all, I think that gives you a ton of different perspectives than when you go through the inductee college type, uh, I don't know, experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went through, I did go through college, mm-hmm. but 
yeah, I was, I was going through it for the piece of paper is what I I felt like in many different cases. And I I had my first business in college and I was very much in the, in the same type of position where, you know, I was pulling in 40 grand, um, a year, which I thought, you know, for working nine months out of the year at the time was pretty good for a college student, but it's like um, all the money in the world. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're used to like, I don't know, whatever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. But I, I did not continue that. I did not continue down that road. I ended up, uh, you know, selling the, selling off all my assets and everything along those lines and went back to a traditional job, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's, that's my story, but I'm, I'm curious in, in your particular case, you know, what, what happened after that? At what point did you, um, continue to realize that, Hey, look, I absolutely don't need the college thing. And what was, what was next after that? Well, so what was interesting, almost nobody knows this uh, story, but I got an offer to sell Rhythm Sticks to a really big chain store uh, called the Discovery Store. It doesn't exist anymore. I've heard of it. Yeah, they used to have like 600 locations. Yeah. The PBS store. And now they have like a few flagship ones, I think, but it's not huge. Um, But they said, well, we need, it was like August, and they said, well, we need like 50,000 pairs by October. Okay. And we'll switch over because they already were selling them, but my products were superior to the quality that they were selling. Sure. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like 50,000? Are you, are you kidding me? And it would have been $500,000 order, which would have been, you know, something in the neighborhood of like $250,000 profit. And, um, which was of course all the money in the world. So I was like 21 at that time or something. Yeah. And I remember I was house sitting for my parents and I was like curled up in the fetal position crying on the floor in their house because there's no way this is pre-internet for commerce. I mean, this is like 1995. And so there was no way that I could produce this. I didn't have the money to produce it. I didn't have the people to produce it. I didn't have anything that would have been necessary to produce it. I didn't understand what factoring orders was. I didn't understand over sourcing overseas. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hard to even get it 20 years later. Um, but the internet didn't exist, not in the, not remotely, like Google didn't exist. And so there was not even an, an, a, a way that I easily could figure this out. And so I just thought, well, this has, this has failed. I, I looked at it as just a complete failure. And then I made a really strong decision that like, okay, I've been doing this for three years. So I do know how to run a company. Uh, now I just need to figure out a company that I can run where I don't have to actually physically manufacture a product. Hmm. So why did you, why did you go that route? Cause I think there's a lot of different ways where if you're in that situation, you could mm-hmm. take a bit and also think about it. Mm-hmm. What really pushed you over the edge one way versus another versus trying to, I don't know, say, go back to them and say, Hey, I can do a smaller, you know, I can do a much smaller order, but I can't hit the 50,000 or mm-hmm. a- anything else that you could have mm-hmm. done. I did try and do that, but they said, no way. We're really sorry. We didn't realize how small you are. There's just, we can't, it was one of their best-selling products. Yeah. And they're like, we just can't, and we can't sever the relationship with the vendor that we already have. If you could step in and step up, that would be great. But like, you need to ship that product essentially because they needed it in stores by October and it was August. So they uh, needed me to ship the product like, you know, six days later or something. <laughs> so it was just a no-go. And I had two options. Like I could figure it out between this year and the next year. Yep. But all of that seemed really hard to me. 
And I had just heard about somebody that was selling t-shirts and making $10,000 a month profit selling t-shirts, which was all the money in the world. <clears throat> and I, and I, I don't know, something just drew me to that. And I'm like, I'm going to go start a t-shirt company. That's where all the money is at. Hmm. And you've done a few different clothing companies since then too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The first one I started was anti-establishment clothing, which was super offensive clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Super funny to me. And, um, yeah, it it was like black and white t-shirts with offensive slogans on them. Where did you Um, sell, where did you sell those? I'm I'm not familiar with it, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious. Mostly, um, tattoo shops and head shops. And then we used to advertise like on the back cover of high times magazine. And, uh, we had a website, I guess it was later than 95 that the other stuff happened. I guess it was like almost 90, 97 or something. Because in 98, I started anti-establishment clothing Uh and because we were one of the only vendors on the internet period, like we're one of the only e-commerce stores in 98 on the internet, certainly in like a subculture type of a space, there was us and on American activities. And that was kind of it. And so we got a lot of sales. Because yeah. like if somebody would start to use like these early search engines, I still don't think Google was around yet. Um, like they would just find us super easily because there was nobody else to find. Zero competition. Mm -hmm. And so all of the stuff that like I teach people to do now, like get your t-shirts on bands that are on the rise, that stuff just happened organically and they would buy stuff from us because there was nothing else to buy. So all of a sudden, like, you know, Benji Madden showed up on the cover of Guitar World um, with our product and like the guys from System of a Down were on the cover of some magazine, I don't even remember which one, wearing one of our shirts and Blink-182 was wearing our stuff and like in general, we were not, we didn't have any relationships with these bands for the most part. Some of them we did, but mostly we didn't. They just bought, <laughs> they just bought stuff from us. <laughs> so, it was cool and ended up wearing yeah. it. And <laughs> there, there was just no competition in the space. And then of course that helped us to secure sales to stores and stuff. And then my end goal was to get into Hot Topic, which had like, I think 150 locations back then. They have a thousand locations now. Yeah, they've grown a bit. They have, they've done really, really well. And so, Yeah. So that's how that that's how that went. Um, but when I sold anti-establishment clothing to Hot Topic, it didn't sell. So this is like my whole dream was collapsing right before my very eyes because that was the end goal because they would buy so much merchandise at one time. This is what you've been working for for <clears throat> what what period of time years. was this? A couple of years? Yeah. And then it wasn't selling. It didn't sell. So they bought three. They usually will try three designs from a vendor. If they really, really like you, they'll try another order of three. So six designs total. Uh, But I was such a sweet talker that I convinced them. So the first three didn't sell. They tried another three. Those didn't sell. And then I said, well, it's because you guys have chosen the designs. Please, please let me choose the designs and try another round of three. I'm certain they'll sell because I know what our best sellers are. And so they did try the other three, and those also didn't sell. Oh, no. <laughs> so I so thought, what happened? Well, between Rhythm Sticks and anti-establishment clothing, I actually had worked in offices to um, get the money to start the apparel line. Yeah. Um, I became an escrow officer, uh, which I just totally BSed my way into the job, and but and then you know worked my ass off so that nobody knew that I was not as qualified as I should have been, um, and. I just thought, oh my God, so the buyer calls me. The buyer actually wouldn't even call me. He wouldn't call me himself because he knew I would just talk him into buying more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that so he is had his hilarious. assistant call me <laughs> because I, Isaac, uh, who I knew, uh, did not have the power to actually say yes. So there was nothing that I could say to him that would yeah. make him, <laughs> that could 
be helpful, you know? <laughs> so Isaac is on the phone. Well, here's what I don't get. So at this point, I'm 24 years old and I was smoking hot when I was 24, but I, I didn't realize that. And this poor kid on the phone is like 21. And I would always go in there in my little, you know, high heel boots and short skirts and sell my stuff. And so I start crying on the phone when he tells me he's just never going to buy from me again. Okay. And like, what does any 20 year old, 20 year old guy do? Like when a girl starts crying, he doesn't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm trying to pretend like I'm not crying, but I'm completely crying. And so anyway, uh, He's like, Andrea, Andrea, it's okay. You've crossed the biggest hurdle. Just just send us some stuff that's going to sell. Go into the stores, look at what our best sellers is, create stuff like that and bring it back to us. So I am still crying. And I go without missing a beat with zero hesitation. Actually, I've already been working on this other company. It's called Delinquent Distribution. And I'm going to have 80 designs to you in six weeks. That is crazy. This 99 designs did not exist. <laughs> like, there's no, like, how the hell am I going to come? I don't even know any graphic designers. There are like two. Like, how am I going to come so up with you, 80 designs? <laughs> so this was a complete farce you had. I had done no such thing. <laughs> but in um, but, a state of tears, you told the... <laughs> I did. And, so, all of and this it was and, one of those moments. Yeah. You know, I just, I had to do, I had to come up with these signs and like, what else am I going to do? I don't have a fallback plan. I'm 24 at this point. I don't have a college education. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to like go be an escrow officer. This is just kill me now. And so, uh, not that there's anything wrong. It's actually a very good job, but you know, just, I couldn't do that. And so <clears throat> I immediately, I didn't even put the receiver back onto the base of the phone. Are your younger listeners are not going to know what I mean by that. I just like <laughs> clicked down, clicked it back up. And I called my biggest competitor uh, on American activities. And I said, if you let me license your designs, I saw the hot topic. If you let me license your designs, um, I, I will give you 50% of the profit from the sale. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> I'll factor the order. I'll take care of everything. I'll give you 50%. And he's like, that's so funny. Somebody else just called me and they offered me 25%. And I said, I'll give you half. You don't have to do anything. So long story short, they said, yes, I called six other of my competitors with the same deal, except for a 25% profit. And all of them said yes. <laughs> and so within six, and then I ha- and then I did contract with graphic designers also to produce designs for me. And um, within six months of that call, I had made a million dollars in profit off of the sales. So was that your first introduction into licensing then? Yes, it was. And then I called the High Times. The forced Time. introduction. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It was. Then I called High Times and got their licensing rights because I had a relationship with them because we used to advertise with them. And then, um, and then it just went from there. And <clears throat> that, then I ended up getting all the video game rights, Minecraft, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty. I actually got their sales rights, not their licensing rights, Yeah, uh, which still is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> so like if Hot Topic wanted to carry any of those video brands, uh, they, I, I was the only vendor that they could buy from. They couldn't buy them from anybody else because I had exclusive rights. Okay. So that is an awesome story. But I, 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 I want to go back and cut back on a, on a couple sure. of different things here. Okay. So all of this is happening over the period of, uh, of years. Mm-hmm. At what point does the mentorship piece really start entering the picture and you're really finding value in that? And what mm-hmm. part does that enter into the story here? I'm curious. Well, at a couple parts, because I always have 
sought out mentors who were like a few rungs up from where I was and where I wanted to be. And so I think a big mistake people make in mentorship is like they want Mark Cuban or Richard Branson to mentor them. (laughs) First of all, those guys are really busy and they're not going to mentor you. (laughs) Secondly, it's an inappropriate fit. Like if you have a coffee shop and you want to have a really successful coffee shop, an appropriate fit is for you to meet with somebody who's like one or two towns over. So it's not competing that has like maybe two or three coffee shops. Um, and so I, when I first started out, I was mentored by somebody whose company was making a half a million dollars a year in sales. And then when I surpassed him, I was mentored by somebody who was making $4 million a year in sales. And then when I surpassed him, I was, you know, I would just go up the rungs of the ladder. And then when I was 20 something, like maybe 26 or 27, I met my lifelong mentor, who's a very private guy who is a multi-billionaire who I am not allowed to name. You wouldn't know who he was anyways. He's exceedingly private. He's not on any of those lists by design. Um, but, but then he has mentored me ever since because he could mentor me in any level of business. I actually am in such a lower level of business than he is that it's shocking to me that he even has mentored me, but he has for, for uh, my entire career. Okay, so talk to me about how that happened then. Well, it was a fluke because other people I had intentionally reached out to, yeah. um, but this was just a fluke. He, uh, he had a, a fund at the time and my ex-boyfriend was starting a fund and yep. wanted to be mentored by this person. And you would have to be really deep in a specific niche to even know who this guy was because he's so private. Um, but he did. And he kept, uh, my ex-boyfriend, Steve kept emailing him <laughs> and, he, and the guy kept not responding. <laughs> so one day I wrote to him, I wrote him this really, really lovely email. It was super short. It was like, Hey, you know, Steve's been reaching out to you. You haven't been getting back to him. I understand that you're super busy, but like, I don't, I don't think you get a chance very often to feel like a rock star. So if you just want to feel like a total superhero, like this guy looks at you the way that other people look at professional surfers or like professional athletes and rock stars. And like, it's going to change his life. 30 seconds of your time literally will change his life and it will change his perception of what he believes is possible for himself. So I would love it if you would call him. And then in the in the subject line or in the whatever, I had a signature line, which like nobody had back then. This is probably, I don't know, 2002 or something. And uh, so my phone rang, like not even two minutes later. And I knew that it was the guy and it was him. And, and he's a hardcore, like Ayn Rand capitalist. Uh-huh. So, he, so I pick up the phone and he goes, Andrea, how is it that somebody that owns a capitalist company, no hi, no hello, he says this. How is it that somebody that owns a capitalist company can be selling t-shirts that says Che Guevara is my hero? <laughs> and I, again, like this is the best one-liner of my life. It's the most impactful one-liner of my life. I, it was inspired from source. I cannot believe that I came up with it in the moment. I said, well, so-and-so, the communists aren't going to sell t-shirts to themselves. And he laughed really, really hard. <laughs> and he said... Steve is not special. I've gotten his multiple emails and I do not want to mentor him. He's going to be fine, but he's not like an out of the park rock star. You are special. You're amazing. You're a rock star. You are going places. I want to mentor you. So here is a list of 14 books. Read them in the next six weeks and get back to me. And I did. And then the rest was history. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, like, multiple people had reached out to him to mentor them, and he sent multiple, like, 
dozens of people at this list of books. And like, apparently nobody ever read them in the time period. I maybe it was four weeks. I don't remember what time period it was, but I was just like, what? Like I didn't do anything else. I went on Amazon. I ordered the 14 books. I did nothing else until that was finished. I couldn't believe that I had this opportunity. So I thought it was funny that, you know, and, and I do this to this day when people ask me to mentor them and nobody reads the books. It's crazy. Like one guy who I ended up mentoring and is now actually my business partner years and years later, one guy ever read the books. These are people that begged me to mentor them. Is, doesn't that blow you away? <laughs> yes, like, it does. It's it <laughs> inconceivable. Really, truly blows me away. So I'm, I'm only two years into an um, information and, and coaching business, right? Mm-hmm. And I get contacted by email regularly and I, I'm, I, you know, I'm not anywhere close to any of the levels that, that you're talking about, but I still get requests constantly and I feel like I'm willing to offer my time pretty, pretty well. And I will, I'll do similar things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Virtually nobody responds. Yeah, it's amazing. It's actually one of the best tricks that my mentor ever taught me was to put responsibility on them. Actually, now that we've started Lessons.biz, which is where we legit, for real, no joke, hand walk you through how to start a t-shirt company, six-week course. So people just pay for it. But I've had people like reach out to me for me just to mentor them without them paying for it because they know that I know how to do this. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? If you don't have skin in this game, I'm not helping you. Like, (laughs) Not even in a bad way, but like... It is just shocking to me how if you put if you put a thing on it, but it's it is a, the best tool that you have because that way nobody's wasting anybody's time. Because if I I only send out a, a list of seven books, and if somebody doesn't want to read those seven books, that is cool. But you are never going to ride with me because okay, we so, just don't have the same personality type, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I'm never going to dive in and do stuff for somebody that I'm mentoring, like they're going to have to do all of the execution and all of the work themselves. And if they don't care about their own future enough to take that time, then there's, there's no way that I would give my time and energy to somebody that won't give their time and energy to themselves. This is fascinating to me. Um, <laughs> I have about 17 different questions. Oh, good. Uh, Yay. <laughs> I don't know how many we're going to have time for, but right. one is five what, hour interview. <laughs> yeah. What, what books are on that list? I'm so curious. Well, my current list, because my list is always evolving. Yes. So my current list is still Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week. Love that, that one's book. been on there forever. Yeah. So good. Um, Do Cool by Mickey Agarwal is yes. amazing. She's a really good friend of mine. That book is incredible. I have I'm read not that just one. saying that. You have that one. It's so I have good. not it's read so it yet. I, it's, it's so good. Very cool. I'll have to bump uh, it up it my list. And then let me know and I'll have her come on your podcast. She's okay. amazing. Yeah. You're the um, second person who's mentioned her. So I. I actually will do that. Yes. As and a, you can, as well you can you find out. I'm going to blog about it and be like, this guy said that he this was guy. serious and he's clearly not. And now I have Scott to. Who? I've, I've no. publicly said that <laughs> now I have to follow through. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Rework by Jason Fried uh, is completely fantastic. Um, I'm reading actually this, this list. This one might make my list. Abundance by Peter Diamandis. I'm halfway through. It's really good. I'm a huge fan of him, but yeah, I have fantastic. not read that book. Um, but just in, in general, I've mm-hmm. heard, especially in the last two years, I started having yeah. find out more about his story. So that's, have, have that's you been awesome. up to singularity university yet? I have not. Oh, it's fantastic. It's really great. They're doing really, really, really good stuff up there. I am a big fan. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, and then asking it is given by Jerry and Esther Hicks, top of the list, uh-huh. uh, and Atlas shrugged, of course, by Ayn Rand. 
It's amazing. Life-changing book. I am so sad that I've read so little, but so happy that now I have a whole bunch to bump up the list quite a bit. Yay. I'm, I'm actually jealous that you get to read these for the first time. They're so good. It's completely impacting life-changing books. So good. I am actually excited. So I stand up now when I do, uh, when I do, I don't know, these kind of conversations, interviews and everything like that, but my fingers are tingling. I'm, I'm excited (laughs) and it's a little weird, but yeah. Okay. So that's, that's question number one. I was just curious what was on the list. Um, question, question number two is if you, uh, if you are, first of all, how, how often do you get these types of requests? Cause you say that you've only had like one person actually follow through on this. Well, super often. I mean, it was more, I'm actually just coming back. I'm a super in general, really private person, but because we're launching lessons.biz, I'm doing way more interviews and stuff now. Uh, but it was when I was more public before, like I was on The Apprentice and I was having articles in like every business magazine. Um, and then I got way more requests. Now that I'm a bit more underground, <laughs> actually, the people that reach out to me are far more serious because they know that I have started 14 companies. They know my whole background and they're like, holy crap, this, I, I want to learn from you. So, so I actually think that because of the quality of the people that are reaching out to me now, like perhaps the responses will be different, but like we, remains to be seen. Well, over time has become its own self-weeding process too. A little yes. Bit, too, which is great, right? <laughs> which is super important. Yes. Yes. My, um, my best friend, uh, is Emerson Sparts who, uh, owns Sparts Media. He created like, um, that, uh, MuggleNet, the viral Harry Potter site that got like a billion hits. He created that when he was 12. And now really? like <laughs> every time you're on one of those sites, like dose.com or any of these sites where yeah. you're just like, how did I get here? And where did all my time go? He owns all of those. <laughs> he, owns, <laughs> he puts a new one up every two weeks. I'm completely not kidding. He owns like, a, he owns like a vast majority of those websites. Um, and he uh, was the one who's really, really strict about this too. Of like, oh yeah, people are going to ask you for your time all the time. You just have to, you just have to like always put the onus back on them to take an action because if you don't, they'll just keep asking, 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 asking. Hmm. So that's that is so interesting for me because I obviously am uh, a ways behind you, but I get tons of tons of requests. But I, mm-hmm. but I also. <laughs> enjoy helping people tremendously yeah. Yeah, yeah. and just <laughs> am thrilled to pieces. So I think that's been a struggle for me to be able to uh, one, figure out how to, I, I, I mean, I'm, my email box is flooded <laughs> daily and I don't, um, I'm really, really strong. I even went to answering people in audio format so that I could do it quicker <laughs> whether so than, smart. so, smart. so I, I'm trying to maximize my time and be able to yes. reach as many people as possible, <laughs> but I've really, really, really struggled. And then I get, um, the folks that will send question after question And yeah. part of my problem is I enjoy answering their questions. <laughs> and, well, then that's no problem. <laughs> well, it, it isn't, it isn't, it, it, it takes me away from being yeah. able to help even, even more people and be able to scale the business because I can, I love answering those individual questions, but I also struggle on it too, in terms of where to spend my time, because yes, I, I can help that one person. I love helping that, that person, but I can't do that scalably. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so these are some of my struggles. So this is so interesting. Well, I actually have a systemized response for that exact struggle. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> this is, this is the reason 
that I created Mentor Mojo and Lessons.biz both yeah. is because I want really, really, really wanted to be able to help people. And I wanted people to have access to the information that they need to know. Like something, you know, like if you don't know that gifting is a superpower and it can yield you hundreds of extra thousands of dollars per year in sales, like you should know that and you should know the best systemized way to do gifting or whatever. So every like question that I get, especially now for lessons.biz, um, we just include it in our, in our course material because like, Hmm. like this one girl who's got an up and coming, um, clothing company in Australia, she's going to be so very excited because she'll hear this podcast (laughs) called, um, inappropriate apparel, um, at inappropriateapparel.com.au. Uh, so she was reaching out to me about trade shows and I went into my book that I wrote, uh, about how to build a t-shirt empire. And I saw that I actually had given her a lot of advice that wasn't in my book. So then I just put it in the book and like do a little video about it. So now anybody that wants to know that information that joins lessons.biz can have it. And so it just keeps going that way. Like the questions that I get, I incorporate into my course materials so that it just becomes more and more and more robust. I love that. That is awesome. Yeah, you can do that. It'll be super easy for you because because if, if one person has a question that you're giving an audio response to, guaranteed, like half of the other people in that same type of industry have an identical question. That is so simple. I <laughs> am uh, both excited and feel silly that I didn't think about it. But the best things that uh, that I have taken on, I haven't created myself. So I love that. <laughs> Did Very I? cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay, so I uh, I've. I could probably keep going down that uh, that vein, and I've got a bunch of other questions, but I really want to talk to you also about this idea of only getting into businesses that are fun for you because i've mm-hmm. I've seen you um you know in, in interviews and in um are you stalking me a little oh, we do ahead. we do oh, a I lot of research this. on our guests <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess so I haven't Air really quotes, called is it that stalking, what they call but... these days the research. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Facebook research. I'm doing air quotes. Is that what this webcam is all about? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh, that totally cracks me up. Um, Good. I try. <laughs> here's what I want to know, though. This 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 idea, because, I mean, our business is really about helping people get into various different types of work that fits uh-huh. them and right. really getting into various different types of work that allows them to use the things that uh, they've got the potential to be great at and are great at. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, what, what do you mean? First of all, let's, let's start with a baseline here. What do you mean? First of all, when you say, you know, getting into businesses that are fun, what's your, well, I actually, um, I did one business that actually ended up on Oprah that should have been very, very successful. It was the technology was too early. It was a complete failure. However, uh, it was not fun the whole entire time. I didn't like working with my clients. I thought they were they thought I was a terrible person. We just didn't like taking each other's calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is no bueno. I should have aborted that project or I should have found a way to make that project fun. But I didn't. And then, you know, you're working, you're just working your butt off for a payday that may or may not come when you have a startup. <laughs> and so you better really like what you're doing. And so I just inserted this. I don't know if I can swear on here, which I just did. We will uh, take care of it in post-production. Sorry about that. So I created this no a-hole rule in my life for employees, for vendors, for it doesn't matter, for clients, for customers, for anything, because I thought life is too short. I want to work with people I really, really like. I want people to really, really like me who work with me, whether they're one of my clients or whether they're one of my vendors or whether they're one of my employees. 
Um, and so straight away, straight across the board, <laughs> I just facilitated this rule. And I realized not everybody has that experience because we don't all get to choose who is in our space, but we certainly get to choose how much attention we give to people if they're exceedingly frustrating. Uh, in a lot of cases, we can minimize our attention to them. And so I really strongly recommend that. And then on the employee side, <laughs> I, my best recommendation for somebody who's an employee, which is a speech I give to every single one of my employees when they're in the interviewing process is, yeah. don't be good, don't be great, be irreplaceable to me. Find a way to make yourself totally irreplaceable to me because I am awesome to work for. And I will provide you the best company culture and the best everything. And in return, that's my part. My part is to make you want to work here. And your part is to make me want to keep you here. And so even if it's a job that like you're just working so that you can start your own company, if you go into it with the philosophy of like, I am going to crush it so hard at this job that this guy like wants to give me equity in his company or in her company, that's always the right attitude to have (laughs) because that's, you know, that's always the right attitude to have. Why do you think so many organizations aren't looking at it from that perspective? I, I think it's foolish. I have no idea. Because then you get people who like do the minimum that they have to do to get by. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel like all of the common things. I just was reading that study that I know that you know about with oh, the, yeah. like 87% of people are Gallup. dissatisfied. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, well, that's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <clears throat> I feel so sad that anybody gives their time to something that they're not satisfied with. And I have all kinds of measures that I internally use in my own companies. We use um, 15.5. Yes. My friend David Hassel's company. Yeah. Love that company. Love it. He, he'll be a guest on your podcast if you reach out, if you want him to come on. He's amazing. So every single week, every person in my company writes a 15-minute uh, review of their week and like tells me if they like their job or not, or if there's any improvements that could be made that would make them happier. And I religiously read them and keep that company culture where I want it to be because I want like a happy family, good feeling vibe in my offices. And it's so costly for companies that don't have that. Like it's so expensive to have unhappy employees. You have to get new people in. You have to retrain them. Um, and then, of course, you're spending money on, on, on unproductive time. And then that person doesn't like their job. Like a person who loves their job is so high performing. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, so, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it, and it blows me away, too. And I guess I understand how how companies end up staying there because there end up uh, being so many different uh, dynamics and pressures and political pressures and blah, 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 and all that stuff that ends up happening. I just don't understand fully why companies get there in the first place. Truly, this is one of the things that we want to have a massive impact on Mm -hmm. uh, because there's so much waste out there just because of, of that. Yeah. But I mean, that's uh that's maybe a conversation for another day, but yeah. <laughs> and it permeates out through the entire economy of your company. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just a, it, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me, <clears throat> but that being said, like I have had company cultures that were not great because I didn't know what I was doing at first. And I literally had to have a restructuring and almost everybody that was on the staff of that one particular company ended up being gone before that, before we had a good culture in place there. Hmm. Because it can be really hard to get people who are used to a certain way converting over. At least for me, I found in the past, it is easier if you set expectations in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I've also found that to be true. I So my background a little bit has been, I've worked uh, with organizations <laughs> 
hel- helping find all those people and then mm-hmm. right. <laughs> doing, uh, doing HR type stuff and training yes. and development, learning development and mm-hmm. all that, uh, retention stuff that probably, um, many organizations are looking at it backwards. Yes. Uh, but either way, yeah, we, we don't need to get into all that. Let me cut back in here for a second. I want you to meet Tracy. I'm Tracy, and I'm from San Diego. I am a microbiology lab supervisor at a medical device diagnostics company here in town. Before Tracy found our eight-day figure-it-out course, here's what life was like for her. I was drowning in debt and seriously struggling to find a way out of it. I've got student loans (laughs) from the late 90s that I'm trying to pay down, as well as a car loan. Okay, now you might be thinking, what does debt have to do with Tracy's career? And what does any of this have to do with this eight-day figure-it-out course? And this course really helped me to gain a lot of clarity around what was important to me and helped me to see possibilities beyond my current situation. So with that, I've actually started a small virtual assistant business on the side, and I have been able to seriously accelerate my debt repayment plan. I will be completely debt-free in just over two years from now. Wow. Congratulations, Tracy. We love hearing stories just like that one. Now, if you want that type of clarity that can help you move forward in your life, here's what you can do. Just text HTYC to 38470, HTYC to 38470, or just visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. So lessons.biz, we've mentioned yes. that a couple of times. I know that's, uh, that's newer for you. I know that that's something that, uh, that you're promoting. And, th- and that's probably part of the reason why, uh, you know, I get to spend some time with you too, mm-hmm. but I'm more, I'm curious, first of all, how that came about. And second of all, you know, we, I've got a f- few folks that have reached out to me specifically about clothing. So okay. I want to ask you a couple of questions too. Okay, perfect. So, um, lesson stop is. Uh, came to pass a very quick background. I've launched a bunch of clothing lines, including anti-establishment, which I talked about. Um, Yoga Junkie is one of my clothing companies and um, Delinquent Distribution, which owns the sales rights on Minecraft, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Walking Dead, etc. Uh-huh. One of my best friends on planet Earth <laughs> started a little tiny clothing company you may have heard of called Tap Out, <laughs> Tap Out Clothing, yeah. which sells hundreds of millions of dollars worth of apparel annually. Um, and he started it with nothing. And I started my companies with nothing. We started with credit cards. He had like $1,200 left on a credit card. I had 15000 on a credit card, so I was rich. Um, and, and we built these really, really massive brands. And so we started teaching this class at the Learning Annex. And it turned out that we were the number one bestseller in the history of the Learning Annex. Not because of us, but because everyone wants to start a t-shirt company. <laughs> so... I, we just thought, well, what if we really condensed down all of our knowledge and created this very like laser-focused roadmap of this is exactly how you get a clothing company to launch. This is exactly how you get it to be really, really successful. And so we did. And also, I kind of looked in that space of like, you know, in the internet marketing space, and I'm like, <clears throat> so much of this stuff is just crap. Like so much of it is, it's good and it's motivational and you do need that. But I want to know like, where do I buy my t-shirts from? How much should they cost? What's a blank t-shirt supplier? How do I vet a screen printer? How do I increase my sales to the stores? How do I get my clothing on celebrities like in really great detail? So I wanted to create a really carefully crafted course that would teach people, in fact, 
how to really massively increase their sales, how to dramatically reduce their overhead costs, and how to get their brand exposure. And that's what we've created. It's a six-week course. It's awesome. It's almost free for the value you get. It's 500 bucks. And if you, wa- if you have a clothing company and you watch our video on the homepage, in the first eight minutes of the video, I promise I will save you thousands of dollars in your first year. Literally, because there's just tricks that I know that people don't know when they're just starting out that are easy and <laughs> that will save them tons of money. So that's why we created it. So I, I've gone and I've watched that video and, mm-hmm. or uh, I don't know if I quite made it to the whole, whole way through, but, uh, <laughs> but I will, I will vouch for that. <laughs> I really liked the approach that you guys took to it in mm-hmm. that even in the, I don't know what most people would call the sales video. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was still a lot of value in things that you could take from it, even if you choose not to, to end up purchasing the course. So I thought that was awesome. Thanks. It's yeah. exactly what we wanted. We're like, well, you're because I made $10,000 worth of mistakes in my first year. And that was like a million dollars to me now. Like it was so much money. I didn't have $10,000, you know? <laughs> like, so when I would make a mistake, that was a multi mistake that was worth multi thousands of dollars, like buying my t-shirts through a screen printer where they cost four to $6 instead of buying them through a sourcing vendor like Mission Imprintables, where that same exact t-shirt would cost me a dollar and 30 cents. Like, that, that's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just oh, yeah. in my first year that oh, I didn't yeah. know that I should be spending differently. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be listening to this that aren't going to be interested in t-shirts specifically. Well, screw but they... them. I don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. At least wait until we get like, I don't know, 50 <laughs> minutes in before you alienate like you exactly. know 90% of my audience. <laughs> Yes, that was deliberate. That was deliberate. <laughs> I, I was totally setting you up for uh, being able to drop some amazing knowledge too. And no, nothing. I'm just kidding. Nothing. I'm just kidding. No, how can I, totally how can I help you? <laughs> You're killing me. No, here's what I wanted to ask though. But for those those other folks that maybe aren't as interested specifically mm-hmm. in in t-shirts or clothing, but mm-hmm. are really interested in starting a business, what advice would you give them if this is the first time that they have, have done that? Well, there is two things. I actually have a catch-all company for business advice called Mentor Mojo, which is really, really specific detailed advice on multiple different verticals and general business advice, mentormojo.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you just don't have the personalized interaction that you have with lessons.biz. Sure. But I did it for that exact reason. So in general, <laughs> um, don't take failure too seriously. Number one, you just can't. Number two, find a mentor who's two or three rings up from where you are. And then number three um, would be set, put a dollar figure on your time. And whatever that dollar figure is, like when I first did this, my mentor had me do this. My <laughs> dollar figure was like a whopping $20 an hour, which was a very lot of money to me at the time. Um, and, but then that meant I'm not going to pack boxes anymore. So I'm going to hire somebody for $8 an hour to pack boxes. And I established a rule for myself that the whole time that she was there, I would be making sales calls. And my income that year quadru- quintupled five times, five times. Whatever because, five times is. Yeah. Yes, whatever five times Quinta, is. Quanta, yeah. Uh, something. Yes. <laughs> Lots of money. <laughs> That's what five times is. And, um, and I realized, like, oh, my God, I can do, you know, $400 an hour, I think, was the average that I would make in that company on sales calls, in an hour of sales calls. And so all of a sudden, that, that putting that dollar figure on my time 
just left me open for biz dev. It let me open for strategic partnerships. It let me open for a lot of stuff that I wasn't uh, doing because I was literally <laughs> filling orders and packing boxes and stuff. So I love that. I've, I've applied that rule. I mean, that's how we have uh, Tracy working in our business. That's how we have Joshua, who's going to go back and, and fix uh, the, uh, the random curse words and everything like that. Um, <laughs> I like random curse words. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I had an offensive t-shirt company. You know what I, I did know that. Scott. I did know that. I did know that. But the reason why I wanted to have you on though is because, um, well, t- two reasons. Once we could talk about this, this concept of, uh, of what's fun and doing what you enjoy. And mm-hmm. then the other thing is this, this mentorship piece, but also this, um, this third concept that you just, just mentioned as far as put a dollar figure on your time. That is, mm-hmm. I've, as I've worked with a lot of different people, I've discovered that that is really, really difficult for them to mm-hmm. justify that. So mm-hmm. you had a mentor that told you to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm sure was, was helpful in, in being a catalyst for that. But what else caused you to jump in and actually do that? Because so many people struggle with it. Well, it was, it was actually just a shift in perception. And it was because the way that he explained it to me made so much sense because he said, what I will now tell your listeners, you are misunderstanding what is happening. You are thinking that you are saving money by doing this stuff yourself, but you're not, you're costing yourself money because I guarantee. And he, I I don't know if it was he or I that came up Uh with it, but had said every single second that that person is there, I want you to spend on increasing sales and business development. Um, and so then all of a sudden, because I think she started working like maybe 10 hours a week and then eventually became full time. But then all of a sudden I was doing 10 additional hours of sales calls a week. And so I immediately saw the massive (laughs) difference that that made and then just put her on for more hours. So especially if there is an equation like that in the mix, it will almost immediately make perfect sense to any of your listeners why they're doing that. Because whatever their version of biz dev is, whether that's, you know, developing out uh, new mailers for their mailing campaign or, or, or whatever it is, Um, your job as a CEO is to make money period. Your job is to figure out ways for your company to make money, have visions, execute on business development. That's it. That's it. And so anything that's not an overlying vision of the company, creating a culture that will have a team together that will make the team want to stay because those people are making you money. Everything that you do as a CEO is funneling into direct income into your business. And if it's not, you probably shouldn't be doing that thing unless it's something you absolutely love to do. But if, if it's not like, I actually love to book my own travel because I love hotels and I love looking at the different hotels in the area. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if it's not, if it's something that you don't love to do, then you should not be doing it unless it makes your company money. Let's talk about that. Cause even when yeah. you started out, you know, you were in a couple of these businesses doing a whole bunch of stuff that you don't do now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's part of been part of your growth and part of the process for you to learn too. Mm-hmm. So when people are way back when, and, mm-hmm. and they're in that same space, you know, what, what do you tell them? Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, at some point they have to go from, um, figuring out what it even is in certain cases. Like they might not even, especially, you know, if, if they're running a business for the very first time or whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. uh, they've got to learn some of that stuff in, in the first right. place. So how do you, and when do you, make that transition to getting rid of more and more of that? 
You know, Scott, that's such a great question because you're right. I, I didn't mean to gloss over that part. <laughs> For the first three months of the company, most likely three to six months at least, you're just doing everything, which is good because you're the one that's going to want to be implementing processes and putting processes into place in the early days before you have an operations manager on your t- side. Um, so yes. So for the first three to six months, you should be doing everything. However, I just as quickly as possible, you're not the person that's packing the orders or that's like doing really like admin type stuff. Yeah. Um, and the more that you can make delegation, your own superpower, like the better your business is going to go. It it really is the truth. And so even if it's like, you're just getting an intern from the local high school to come after school as like part of a work program, um, or from the local college, what you can get labor very inexpensively in exchange for somebody, um, you know, getting work experience in that way. Um, then it's just something that you're going to want to be doing and putting off all of those tasks. And you know what they are for whatever company that you have that are just like anybody could do them. Um, and then it's really cooperative. Like if you get an intern that doesn't have any work experience from a high school, it's so great for them to be able to see that somebody could start something in their house that one day could be something really quite big. You'd be really impactful on both sides. It can be a total win-win situation. But if you're starting out from the very beginning, you always should have the mindset that you are going to have employees. Your company is going to be big enough to sustain employees. And then how great is that? Like you're providing somebody's livelihood. That's amazing. It's amazing to me. It is very, very rewarding. Mm -hmm. So my experience has been that for the two businesses that I started, I, I had I don't know. I had so much fun that even the stuff that I didn't really like to do all that much was still fun in some capacity. At least it was for probably the first, you know, three to six months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of carried me through. Mm. But, you know, is that is that kind of the dividing line where if you don't have that over overline um, love of... You know, we were talking about uh, don't get into it if it's fun, if it's not fun, right? If it's not fun mm-hmm. for you. But if you don't have that overlying love that uh, that carries you through that type of thing, is that where the dividing line is? Where you shouldn't be in it, or how do, how do you think? How do you think about that in your mind? Well, actually, I I, I think of it in a, in a couple of different ways because the companies that I have now actually really, really, really do love them and I have a real passion for them. However, yeah. I didn't have a passion for offensive T-shirts, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did see a gap in the market and I saw like, I just saw that I could go in and execute. I, especially I would go into tattoo shops and head shops and just think, huh, all of these people that are in this space that, which there were not that many of them, they probably don't have amazing customer service. And that was as far as that thought went, but that was completely accurate. So when I went into the places and I would like send candy with their orders and do follow-up phone calls and like gift wrap an extra t-shirt in the buyer's size that I knew they didn't have yet and write a little handwritten note to the buyer with candy saying, yeah. hey, thanks so much for the order. This is just special for you. This one isn't for sale. I hope you really like it. Um I watched how my shirts got way better displayed. I learned how to get them on my side as an ambassador for the brand, really, above and beyond every other brand they were carrying. And I really quickly went in and cornered that market. Um, and so just stuff like just stuff like that, like I didn't have a passion for it, but it did really, really well because I knew that there was a lot of monetization that could be done there. So I am a little bit different than some of my cohorts uh-huh. in that you actually don't have to be super passionate about the company that you're in, but... but the only way that that works is if you are super passionate about business. I would talk about business 24 hours a day. There is nothing that I love more. I love it in the way that some people love football. Um, and so that that was the overlying passion for me. However, your company is going to go way better 
if it's in like now that I do yoga junkie, I love yoga. It's super easy to just dive right into that. Or yeah. I love teaching entrepreneurship. So like mentor mojo and lessons is I love stickers. I've always loved stickers. That's why I own sticker junkie. Like, so it's, I get super happy when I see people downloading their artwork and the first like physical product that they have with their company logo on it is a sticker that we printed for them. It's sticker junkie. Like that's rad. That feels so good. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so it can go either way, but it is way better if you actually love what you're doing. Well, this has been a ton of fun. I've got, uh, you know, I always have more questions than I can uh, get time to get answered and everything like that. But I, I so very much appreciate you making the time, taking the time to come on. And anything else that, uh, that you're excited about or you've got going that uh, you want to throw out here at the end? Gosh, thanks. Well, th- first of all, thank you for having me. I super appreciate it. Um, you know, I think that I think that I covered it all. Just go sign up for Lesson Stop is because it's going to be the most fun Just thing you ever do in your whole right life. Now. Just go right now. Right now. It's, it's four ninety seven. Go go sign up. Very It'll very so cool. Good. <laughs> hey, I, I meant what I said. I really appreciate it. I've had a ton of fun, and I, I wish we had a little bit more time. But uh, but I don't know. Time always has to end on these things. But I love doing this type of thing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. I hope you have a super great day. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. I really appreciate you guys being here with us and spending your time with us. And I also want to say thank you for all those folks that have gone out and left us a rating or review on iTunes or on Stitcher or any place else. It really helps other people find the show, which then helps us be able to help even more people get to work that they love. So thank you. Thank you very much. And And to say thank you, I have something for you. I want you to be able to join our HTYC community on Facebook. We have a Facebook group that's a private, closed Facebook group that allows you to be able to get different types of help, get uh, value from our content, be able to have direct access to members of the HTYC team, and we want to make it to you completely free. We used to charge as much as $49 a month to have access to this group. And right now we want you to be able to do it for free. So here's what you have to do. Get ready, write this down or get ready to go to your Facebook app or your phone browser or however you happen to be listening to this. All you have to do, this is really simple, is go to happenyourcareer.com slash FB, like as in Facebook, happenyourcareer.com slash FB. And then that'll take you to the Facebook group where you can request access and then our team will get you in. That's it. Just to say thank you. Hope you enjoy that. We'll see you there. Now, before we go, I want you to hear a little bit about what we have in store for you next week on the Happen to Your Career podcast. This can cause somebody to go through their entire lives, the entire careers, without ever realizing what it is that does make them happy. So if you don't know what it is that does make you happy, or you don't know some of the things or enough of the things that give you happiness and give you that good energy and give you that place that you want to be, uh, then you're not going to be able to find it, right? It's just, it's not going to happen. So um, this is another big thing that causes people to, and may be causing you to not, not, be able to make a decision, right? Because if you can't move, if we haven't covered that already, geez, I'm going to say that again. Um, You can't move forward until you make a decision.
That episode's called What's Stopping You From Figuring Out What You Want? And that's exactly what you get to learn. What are those things that you are probably doing, experiencing, that's really putting a stop to you from knowing what your calling is and understanding what it is that you want in your life so that you can then get moving in your career to be able to make that happen? So take a listen, tune in next week. We're excited to see you then. And I'm out. That does sound good. And just so you know, um, I, I, I will mute this side of the conversation a lot because I have dogs here and like, so if you see me muting, don't, don't worry. I will very appropriately, come back on the line at the okay. right time. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I won't, uh, I won't keep talking for worry of uh, <laughs> what is going on on the other end. I'll be right back on. <laughs> All right. That sounds great. Okay, cool. All right.